What's up, dude? Chris, how are you? How are you, sir? I'm great, great. Uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to chat with us. It's cool. Oh, man. It's an honor. Anyway, congratulations on the uh, Philly Walk of Fame. How did you know about that? I, I see things. <laughs> I, I see things. Oh, Dude, I great. believe uh, I saw it was you. I, I think I saw that the Hooters were on there. Indeed, yeah. Great, great class there. Congratulations. The idea, Chris, that we were inducted, uh, particularly me, in the same category, the Philly Orchestra, a world-renowned uh, symphony orchestra, is also inducted in that same class. I'm going, something must be wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> Or something's finally right. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's uh, let's uh, let's begin our chat. We have the great pleasure right. of the uh, company on the telephone with us of the singer and guitar player and very talented musician who is one third of a band called the Record Company, which features uh, Mark Cazorla on drums and backing vo- vocals, local boy Alex Stiff on uh, bass and backing vocals, and Chris Voss, uh, who is the singer of the band and incredible musician. Uh, and Chris, good day to you, man. Welcome. Well, thank you so much, Pierre. It's great to talk to you again. Always a pleasure to have you. Now, you guys are going to do a really fun show in Philly, uh, and it's New Year's Eve at the TLA, and uh, it's going to be a New Year's Eve show. It's going to be fun because T.J. Kong and the Atomic Bomb open the show, but this is not a full tour. You guys have been off the road. There are only two dates that I've been able to see, one of which is at the Beacon Theater, which is the night before, Monday, December 30th, and then New Year's Eve, the 31st, you're at the TLA, the Theater of the Living Arts on South Street. Uh, so are there any other dates? Are these just two one-offs? The two one-offs. Uh, we're in the midst of writing our third record right now, and uh, we just, uh, when the opportunity to come and play, you know, Philadelphia for New Year's, um, you all have been just so good to us. It, we have a riot every time we come uh, to Philadelphia. So it was like the opportunity came across our, us, and we were like, yeah, and then, um, uh, obviously we're doing that show in New York at the beacon too, uh, the night before, but we're ringing in the new year, uh, Philadelphia. And I can't wait because I've rung in the new year with the band one time in my own home state of Wisconsin. We did a, a show in Milwaukee. So this will be great for Alex because, uh, him growing up in the Philly area, um, and being able to ring in the new year, his folks will be there and whatnot. It'll, be a great experience. One might think you might want to take that night off to hang out, but uh, you guys are hard workers and always open for another adventure. But do you have anything in mind as to, you know, will you actually, for example, be on stage counting down into New Year's? I believe that's the plan I have. Yeah. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be up there and then it'll come around and we'll do our the toast and then we'll, we'll kick into something. A little, you know, we always do. We always find something to do. We have a couple of things we've been working on that I think are going to be that'll only happen every New Year's. It's been a tradition for us to do something that we only do one time. Oh, um, cool! And we'll definitely kick something out uh, that probably will be completely unique to this show. That's the plans we have. So it'll be uh, something that keeps the you know brings the roof up a little bit. So you are used to playing on New Year's Eve. Has that been a tradition for the band for a while? We, you know, we've done, I think, uh, three out of the last four, you know, um, and uh, there was one year we had off. I can't remember why or what it was, but, yeah, we like to play on New Year's Eve, you know. It just seems that it's something that you do when you're a band. You know, you should be together with your band and playing a show on New Year's. It's a nice way to close out, you know, the music of one year and, and look forward to the next, you know. 
Well, what a couple of years you guys have had with two records, and as you mentioned, the third being on the way. But before we go to there, happy recent birthday. Saturday, I believe, was your birthday. So It was. Wow. You're, thanks a lot, Pierre. I, you are really uh, in the loop. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm maybe looped, but I don't know if I'm in the loop. But, um, well, uh, you knew more than most. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a good day? What did you do on your birthday? You know, man, I kept it chill. I, I, I uh, hung out with my wife. It's, uh, you know, rare to have a Saturday at home. So um, we kind of kept it pretty chill. But I ended up going to a buddy of mine who has this really big, he has like probably one of the more vast vinyl collections of blues and like soul and, and uh, like early punk stuff um, of anybody I know. So <clears throat> I just went over there and and, uh, you know, had some beers and turned it up very loud and, you know, dropped the needle on some Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker and Stooges music and just kind of had a good old time and took it around the bend a few times, you know. That is great. Let's just say this. It, by the end of the by the next morning, <laughs> I remembered most of the evening. <laughs> I like <laughs> I that. I had some fun. I like that. <laughs> Well, speaking of vinyl, over the Thanksgiving holiday, there are two record store days. The bigger one is in the spring, but I love them because I play a vinyl feature every day here. And um, you guys released uh, the record company Early Songs and Rarities. There are 11 songs, I think, on here, stuff people may have seen you play, including last time you were in Philly at the Fillmore. You guys pulled out What You Want from the Beastie Boys, which there's also yeah. now, I think, a video for. New Speedway Boogie yeah. is on there, uh, the cover of The Dead, and there are uh, 11 songs total. Um, that is a great record, um, and there were only 1,000 that were issued. Um, did did it go well? Did it sell out? Yeah. I mean, we, as far as I know, it sold a whole pile of them, so I uh, <clears throat> I don't know if there are any available out there. I, I had a buddy say he grabbed one off of Discogs, um, which is that vinyl trading site, so I think there might be – a few floating around there, but I, as far as I know, yeah, they're pretty much gone. But um, it was just a thing, you know, Pierre, we we started, we got together and recorded in Alice's living room, and he that's how we did the Give It Back to You record with, like, Off the Ground and Rita Mae Young and all that stuff that you guys have been kind enough to play. Um, but what happened was uh, we just had all this material laying around, and we got offered um, a record store day possibility, and we're like, well, what, what you know, what could we do? So we decided you know, to put out some stuff that had maybe at one time been available, was really wasn't out there anymore, or stuff that never really seen the light of day. Uh, and just a little window into the first couple years, like 2012 to, you know, 2014, um, where we were just doing our own thing, recording our own thing, mixing our own albums and booking ourselves and just trying to, you know, do what you do when you start a band, you know. So uh, I was glad to see these um, songs get out there for, some people who wanted to hear some more from us right now. Well, I love when you get an alternate take, like the second song on this uh, Rarities disc is uh, This Crooked City, which first appeared on Give It Back to You, the version that most people know. But there's an alternative right. take. What What is that? Or how does it sound different? Um, what it was was, I, you know, being fans of, you know, and reading about and learning about, you know, the way people do th have done things in the studios all the way back to the dawn of recording, um, speaking of which, we listened to the Alan Lomax Muddy Waters uh, sessions uh, that evening on my birthday too. Just wow. a little aside there, but <laughs> on vinyl uh, as from the Library of Congress, which was awesome. But I am a dork. But um, <laughs> no, the idea not. was, man, uh, you know, sometimes I'll sing a song two different ways. You know, I'll, I'll sing it, you know, maybe put a little more gusto into it or put a little less. 
something that people like, you know, back in the day, like Bob Dylan would sing a song like five different ways. You know what I mean? And, right. and you just kind of, you know, sometimes you find that you get one direction and another direction and you kind of feel like maybe both of them are right, but you don't feel like you want to put out both of them. So, you know, this one was the one that for whatever reason, we felt the other version flowed within the record better, but we always liked this version. And when it came time, it was, we were looking through, you know, we had about 20 or 25 songs we were looking through. You know, one of the guys, I think it was Alex, was just like, you know, I've always liked that alternate take of Crooked City. Maybe we should put that out there. So I listened to it and I was like, yeah, let's, let's throw it on there. It seemed to flow real nice in, in the record, you know. We always try to think in terms of the record um, here. You know, we try to think in terms of A-sides and B-sides. And uh, we, we always try to structure. I don't care that it's 2019 and going to be 2020 and everything's digital. I get it. But, you know, we're still trying to make albums. So, you know, if you buy an album, we want it to play like an album. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, and I love it. <laughs> and we've talked about this before, but I still try to remind folks to go buy an album uh, because an artist mm -hmm. slaves over the songs and then the tracking order and the records that you grew up listening to. Um, if you knew them as albums, you didn't just download a single song. You got that whole record, and you yep. listened to it so much so that you know the rhythm of the records of side one, side two. You know, or even on a CD, you know, you know when one song fades, you're almost in anticipation of that second song, and you know what it's going to be, and you get excited for it, and then it kicks in. That's lost on people that just download a single song. I mean, it's good that they do it because they're still following the music, but there is an extra beauty not only with the tracking and the full um, audio quality of an album, but the artwork that goes along with it. It's a story. It's a three-dimensional experience. Agreed. You know, and it's like some of our favorite albums, we think in terms of playing them from top to bottom. You know, that's you don't always get the opportunity to do that, obviously, but whenever you do, it's a special thing, you know, and... When I buy a record or I get a record, I try to listen to as much of it I can as I can, if not the whole thing, you know, um, especially when it's, you know, when we're writing our own albums. It's nice to, you know, reintroduce yourself into um, the flow of what's happened before you. I mean, um, there's a great quote in Springsteen, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't think I'll get it completely correct, but where he said, you know, the great ones are that came before you are are – uh, they left you a roadmap if you care to look for it mm. that to show you how you can possibly do things, you know, and I, that was something that I heard when I was pretty young and it, it just stuck with me that that's a real good piece of advice. It's like, don't just, you know, as a musician, don't just listen to these albums, you know, listen to them as a listener, take them in and get spiritually wrapped up in it and let yourself experience it as a listener. But also, you know, if you're a writer reading a book, you have to read a book slightly differently than, you know, if you're going to write your own book, you're trying to draw more than just the story out of it. You're trying to understand the process and why people, why people did what they did. Why does it flip the switch so much in, in you? If you're listening to an album and it, and you're writing an album, why did that album that you're listening to work so well? And you're not trying to copy anything. You're just, you're, you're using that as inspiration to kind of, help you keep your own story on track, you know, instead of just aimlessly dust, you know, blowing in the breeze, which can work for some people just can aimlessly blow in a breeze and are brilliant enough to pull it off. But most of us have to have, um, you know, we have to understand what, what we want to say and why, you know, and that's, that's where we're coming from. You know, it was, when we got to, when I got to LA playing rock and roll and 
this kind of stuff and blues influenced stuff. And it, it wasn't necessarily what was going on. And, uh, we realized right away that the biggest thing we needed were two things, songs and eventually albums, you know, and that we don't try to write an album where a song is, you know, we, we try to really, really work hard to write the best songs we can and put them, you know, there are songs that have been taken off a record. Like on our first record, there was a song between the first record and the second record called Baby I'm Broken. And that song could have gone on the first record because it was pretty much already done and we just didn't see where it fit. So we just put it out as a single in between the two records. And we're trying to think that way. You know what I mean? I don't know. I was, I'm a dork. So that was a very long answer. No, no, I, I love it. We we are speaking with Chris Voss from the record company and the band will play a New Year's Eve show. Very special in Philly at the TLA. Great place to be on New Year's Eve on South Street in Philly. Uh, some tickets remain at the recordcompany.net, their website or at LiveNation.com. Not many, by the way, um, but get them because uh, it's going to be a fun show. I definitely plan to attend. Uh, and the band TJ Kong and the Atomic Bomb, which is a great band title. I don't know anything about the band, but I love the title. They're opening. Yeah. And uh, Chris is with us. Now, you talked about inspiration, and when you speak of a band like the record company and you you follow uh, this band for any length of time and you hear uh, their influences in everything from covering The Grateful Dead as on the Rarities album to <laughs> the Beastie Boys, uh, you get the sense that this is a band that, you know, cannot be compartmentalized, uh, whether it be the blues or the R&B or the Dead or the Beastie Boys. Or most recently, um, a couple of weeks ago, you just released a cover of a band I didn't know you were influenced by, but that's Iggy and the Stooges and I Want to Be Your Dog. Where did that come from? It was a digital release, but how cool is that? Oh, well, I, uh, the Stooges are huge influence on us. Huge. Um, just love, 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 love Iggy and the Stooges. And I, in 2011, uh, I believe it would have been December of 2011, we had just started the band, um, and Iggy and the Stooges played the Palladium out here in Los Angeles and, uh, had Mike Watt on the bass. And by the third song, he had the entire crowd on the stage, you know, like where they had to stop the concert and uh, take everybody off stage and restart the concert. And it was one of the loudest, just most baddest, coolest things I'd ever seen. And Iggy was just, he's still dangerous. Like nobody should ever follow that guy. And uh, I just walked out of there just absolutely on fire in my heart. Just like we need to be playing rock and roll. We need to, you know, really like lean in on, on, on real emotion and try to write great songs and just be honest as, as what, you know, try and use what I just saw as like an influence of energy and honesty. And like, you know, there are certain bands that you like that influence you. Then there are bands and artists, you know, uh, like we opened for BB King early in our career before he passed that make people form bands, make people want to be in a band there are bands that start whole movements you know and to see a band that started the the you know basically the punk movement and you know got into the whole glam thing too and to see what they you know could do all those years back and how those records still are relevant right now and still sound dangerous right now but then to go see them with all the accumulated wisdom of all those years, still see them throw 1000% into the show 
I, I still get chills. I actually have goosebumps right now talking about it. Um, so yeah, we, we wanted to do something, you know, but when we cover something, we don't want to, you know, rehash, we want to take it our own way, you know, and try and, you know, it, that to me is a better way to do tribute to, to something that's influenced you is to take it, bring it in your, to your soul and, and bring it back out the way you see it and, and kind of process it that way. You know, you don't want to just rehash what, you know, they already did it perfect. You can't do it like that again, just, but there's nothing wrong with see, tr taking another angle on something you love if you feel um, it's worth it. And that was just one of those recordings that have been laying around a little while. And uh, when we did the rarities thing, we're like, you know what, we're going to put this out too. So we did. That's great. I want to be your dog, Stooges. Yep. We are speaking with Chris Voss of the record company. They will play on New Year's Eve at the TLA. It's going to be a great, great show. And if uh, you have family coming in for the holidays, this is the perfect thing to do for New Year's Eve. Go see this amazing band. And I don't say this to blow up your skirt, but I'll tell you, every time I see you, you're better than the last time, and you were great the last time. Uh, oh, thanks, Pierre. I'm not. I, I'm really not kidding. It's it, it, it's such a wonderful show to see. I can't recommend it highly enough. And um, there's also, I noticed this really cool poster that folks can get uh, at the show. It's uh, got this train. Uh, you want to explain the poster? Because I, I love the artwork that goes along, and a lot of times at shows these days, one of the cool things is you can get these really creative posters of the show that you're at yeah well if you look behind the train there's the philly skyline yes and uh that's so cool alex our bass player who's local to philadelphia was very very on top of making sure the skyline looked uh as, as correct as possible so it's just an artist that we've been working with uh he makes these one-off posters and we do a, a short run of them and then we sell them at the show uh for new year's and uh, or we you know we do a tour poster he just does such great work. And, uh, you know, this was really, um, the poster was basically something that Alex and Mark really got together on because Mark being from upstate New York and Alex being from Philly, they really have the vibe. Like they, they have some pretty strong feelings about, about the city and, 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 you know, what it meant to them and what it means to them. So it was just important to us to have Philadelphia represented in the poster that we're going to sell to the people of Philadelphia. So that's why it's there. One other little thing about that, Chris, is um, uh, a subtle thing, which you wouldn't have known going in, but one of the buildings that you can see of the skyline behind the train uh, in the distance is um, One Liberty Place, and um, it's one of the big skyscrapers, and there's a tower on top of it, and that tower happens to be our broadcast antenna for MMR. So huh. it's a nice little synchronicity. There you go. Well, and I do believe that tower, when we got the first proof of the, this is synchronicity of the, the poster back, Alex, his only uh, thing he said is he's like, hey, don't cut off the tower. Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. I actually, I'm not kidding. That oh, actually, that's good. Like, this is important. He's like, people from Philadelphia know the, that building. It's got to have, you can't cut the tower off with the lettering. You've got to put that down a little lower so everybody can see the whole building or they won't know it, what it is. And oh. it's like, <laughs> It's the the devil's in the details, Pierre. You can't. You gotta. You gotta look for those little things. And it might not be something that most people notice, but when we look at it, now we know we got it right. Oh, that's um, okay. so that's important. Are you all right on time, by the way? Uh, yeah, yeah, questions? man. Um, just like a few more questions, but I, I didn't. If you got to yep. run, I don't want to keep you. Are you kidding me? It's a it's a it's a thrill. We're uh, we I always I, lo I love talking to you guys, and uh, and, and it's uh. 
the support that you and uh, MMR and the MMR listeners have given us in Philly uh, all the time in the world for you guys. We totally appreciate everything you guys have done. Can't wait to come out and do this on New Year's. So, yeah, go ahead, bud. <laughs> well, I just wanted to ask you about the new record because you, you've been off the road for a while, and uh, there's a great photo I saw on social media of um, Mark with headphones on behind the keyboards, uh, looks like an an older keyboard. I'm not quite sure if it's what type of um, uh, piano or whatever it might be, but underneath it is a caption, and it goes, laying it down, dot, 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 write, dot, 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 record, dot, 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 repeat, dot, dot, dot. Um, yep. Can you describe the recording process, how the record's going, anything that's standing out or jumping out at you uh, in terms of where you are right now in that process? Yeah, I mean, we're... You know, I feel like we're writing something that's really honest and strong. And uh, we're kind of, we, you know, between the first record and the second record, and even before the first record, we never took time to just stop and be like, this is about, this time right now is about writing this album. And, you know, going into the second record, we're writing that on the road, we're writing that in amongst all the shows, and, you know, basically came right off the road, went right to, you know, recording the record so we can get the record done and get it out. And uh, and that's that's a great way to do things. But we felt like with this record, we really wanted to sit down and really write a bunch of material that we felt really just was, you know, say, get, taking it to a new place, you know, taking it, staying with what we are. But, you know, the third record's an important one. You got to you, you want to make sure you land on both feet. And, uh, you know, us being students of music, you know, we go back to the conversation we just had about pacing of an album. Well, there's also something to be said for looking at bands and seeing, you know, what the first, second, third, and fourth, and fifth record, you know, how do bands um, and how do artists deal with these records? And it's like, it seems the third record is a good time to really just kind of really dig in, take a look back on the last couple of years, ask yourself where you're at, what you've been through, what you're seeing, what's turning the switch on for you. Um, what do you want to say? What what excites you? And, you know, you're always looking inward. You know, um, if you're looking at, if you're looking to the outside, I think you kind of start to get distracted by by the things going by. When you're writing an album, you want to kind of have what went by. You want to ask yourself, what did that do? What did that do to me? How do I feel? You know, what do I have to say right now? And, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what beats are, 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 are twisting me around? What, what melodies are twisting in my mind? What lyrics have I written down in the last two years? And it's kind of really pulling on it all together and, and just really trying to, you know, it's worth it, man, to, 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 to dig in and try and go really honest and write the best damn songs you can. I mean, I, all the bands I look at, even when I look at the blues artists that I love, like Jimmy Reed, John Lee Hooker, they have the best songs, you know, it's like, we were just over in Liverpool. We just played Rival Sons um, in the UK, and we and I was in Liverpool, and I went through the Beatles exhibit in Liverpool, and you know they're just blasting Beatles songs the whole way through, and you know I'm seeing like John Lennon's piano with his glasses on it, and a tear rolls down it. But I just it just reinforced to me, and what I loved about being in the UK was honesty and songwriting. You know, it's got to have songs. You gotta, you gotta put yourself through what you gotta go through to write songs. And I can tell you, learning how to write songs is just like learning how to get good at anything else. Anybody out there who's listening to this that is a professional at something, 
I don't care what it is. You went through something to get where you are today. If you consider that you're doing the best work you've ever done today, you went through a lot of, of, of stuff to get there and you put yourself through a lot to get there. And I, I think it music of all things and songwriting deserves that time. You have to take the time. And sometimes in a band, you get in a, in a situation where you want to, um, you think I got to keep going. I got to keep doing, but it's like hit the brakes, feel something, make something and then move, you know, and that's kind of where we're at right now. We're on the back together, nothing but us. And we're writing this album and it, and it feels quite frankly, between you, me, and I guess to listen, <laughs> it feels great. You know, it feels fantastic. Have you been at it for a while? Uh, or, or is, are you just relatively recently yeah. in the studio? No, we're, this is, well, we're doing this all, we're writing this record in Alex's living room like we wrote the first one. Oh, great. Because I was going to ask you if the, anything was recorded in the living room, which is where the first one oh, was yeah, recorded. Oh, yeah, no, this, the whole, the whole we're, you know, we're, we're recording stuff, we're listening to stuff, you know, some of it could stay, some of it could go, but, you know, um, there's basically, we, the only thing we've put on it is we'll know what we what we have when we have it. We'll, we, we'll know we've got it done when it's done. And until that's done, just it has to be about this record every minute of the day until this record gets written completely. And, I mean, we've got a pile of songs now, and I, I, like, I like them. I think we're writing some of the best stuff we've ever written. But it's like, let's keep writing. Let's keep digging in. Let's... You know, you never know when track 10 is going to be sitting there. You know, even if you've got 15, 16, right. 17, 18 right. done tracks, it's like, take the time and, and go deeper. You but know, and, and that's kind of what we're trying to do right now with this third record is just really dig in there. Is there any pressure from the record company on the record company to get it done by a certain date? I mean, you know, I think that the pressure is just they want us to do the best record we can, you know, and that's what we want to do. So we're aligned. You know what I mean? Um, as far as the timeline, we're just right now, I feel very comfortable with where we're at as far as where we're going to get to, say, in the first couple of months of next year, as far as hopefully completing this thing. So you don't really I, I don't see dates after uh, New Year's till um, May. There may be some one offs here and there. But would it be correct to guess that maybe springtime, late spring, we'd get a record and then the touring cycle would kick up again spring into summer? Is that Fairly accurate. Or? Yeah, I mean, we're going to be touring in the summer and late spring, and then record is going to drop next year. That's the plan. Um, at what point next year is going to depend on when it gets finished. But you know, we have our targets, and if uh, and if they move around a little bit in the name of making it better, great. But you know, obviously, the best thing would be to have it done already. I'd be like, I'd love to sit here and tell you I'm already done, but <laughs> you don't want the want of that to cut off the art at its knees, you know, where it. it's like, Hey man, you know, you really should have spent another month asking yourself if everything's together on this. You know what I mean? So, I, I know what you mean, but you can also fiddle too much. Uh, I know, yep. I know bands, brilliant bands, but, but they'll go, Oh, got to fiddle, got to fiddle. And sometimes, and I don't think it would be the case with this band because you have an ability to, to follow the raw nature of the music. And sometimes yep. I think that's the best, but there can be a tendency with bands to fiddle. Oh, we've got to tweak this. We've got to tweak that. Whereas sometimes the more raw version that comes right from the heart is often yep. the best version. Absolutely. And the thing we're doing right now is, uh, you know, you get a song done, it's like, that's done, move on, we like it. You know, it's like, like it, move on, like it, move on, like it, move on, and then look back on it and go, what do we got here? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it feels great, man. Um, I'm really excited uh, to of where we're at with it. If we had to be done, I'd, I'd be like, all right, we got we got some good stuff going right here. But the fact that we took a couple of months to say, hey, we're going to do this really dig in, I'm really stoked because we haven't ever had that chance right. except for when we first started out and nobody was booking us and nobody cared and you needed to spend four months to write the album, you know what I mean, <laughs> or whatever you were doing at the time. Yeah. One last thing. Um, I noticed on Spotify uh, a rather extraordinary achievement for the 2019 calendar year from your band, the record company. Uh, they have these stats they released on uh, streams mm-hmm. and hours people have listened and that sort of thing. And so uh, it's pretty impressive. In terms of streaming, uh, the music of the record company has been streamed 11.7 million times, 711,000 hours spent by Spotify followers listening to the band, some 1.9 million listeners in 79 countries have been checking out the music of the record company. You've got to be pretty moved uh, by that uh, series of statistics. Oh, I, and that doesn't include traditional radio play, which I think, quite frankly, is more important. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's pretty astounding stuff, Pierre. That's why you got to when when you when I see numbers like that, I you know one of my uh, one of the guys that I look up to the most, I always look up to people. I tend to have a, a big space in my heart for the underdogs or people that who even if they aren't underdogs act like underdogs like for instance i'm just for a moment going to go to sports here and talk about jerry rice even though i'm from wisconsin and i'm not a 49ers guy i always loved reading how you know they just the other night on the game the other night they were talking about how after the super bowl the next day jerry rice is out in the field running you know running routes the day after he won the super bowl and that's why he's you know, you add that to what his natural ability is and that desire and that heart and that fight is what made him and, and it goes in any direction, you know. And, you know, I, I see that in my own ma is like that. She's a fighter. You know, she's always in there working every day. And it's just that's why I think it's really important when you talk about like what you just said about those numbers, you owe it to the people that are doing that to make sure you are digging deep and really putting in the work because it's an honor to have the chance to do this. It's an honor to answer questions about music. It's an honor to step on stage and it is a finite number. You never know how many of these chances you're going to get. So to me, it's like, like in the response to this record and everything and all those numbers that just tells me work harder, Wow. go harder, at it be more honest try harder scare yourself a little bit with what you're willing to try and and just never never rest on your laurels because i just don't think it, it it's just the, the you, owe, you owe the listeners that and you owe yourself that and uh, the people i look up to and try to model who i am as a person both in music and just in life you know be my 92 year old grandpa who worked every single day as a dairy farmer till he was 92 uh, or you know People like what I was just talking about, my musical heroes or sports heroes. They all were fighters, and they all tried really hard to pull the best out of themselves. And I think that's a really important thing to do, especially these days, you know, to try and find something authentic to say through your art. And uh, whether people like it or don't like it when we're done with it, 
that will we will feel on like we've made something honest and real. Uh, I don't think it gets any better than that. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, we've been chatting with Chris Voss of The Record Company. They will play uh, what is going to be a really, really uh, great but really fun show on New Year's Eve at the TLA. A few tickets remain. You can either get them at therecordcompany.net or at livenation.com. Uh, TJ Kong and the Atomic Bomb will be opening the show. The Record Company will be there to count down New Year's Eve. Uh, with all of us who are in the building, and I think it's going to be about as festive. And Alex, your bass player, is from Wayne, Pennsylvania, so uh, right. his family will be there, and they alone will be worth the price of admission, plus the poster <laughs> we were talking about, and uh, maybe we might get a sneak peek of one or two of the songs the band is working on, I hope. But be that as it may, it's going to be a great and fun time. So, Chris, uh, we look forward to seeing you very soon now, and uh, we wish you all the best in the meantime. Thank you, Pierre, and, uh, you know, thank you uh, and to all the MMR listeners and MMR for and the great city of Philadelphia for all the support you've given us. And to come on down to that New Year's show, folks, listen to some guitars. We'll turn it up uh, nice and loud. We'll have a the rock and roll New Year's party. It'll be a good time. And, Pierre, I, I'm honored that you're uh, looking to come down, so uh, we'll definitely uh, say hello and have to catch up over a beer. Perhaps we will share a beverage. That sounds like a plan, bro. <laughs> Uh, All right. That was perfect. Thank you. I hope I didn't take too much of your time. No, it was excellent, man. Thank you so much. That was, that was fantastic. I, I, we love you, man. And uh, uh, we really appreciate the support and, and energy you put towards our music. And, uh, and, and just the kind well, just a, you're just a, you're just a damn pleasure to, to be around, talk to. So uh, we really appreciate it, Pierre. Thanks so much, man.